Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the Ferryman of Souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. Binge the season of The Passage now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, everybody. Robert Evans here. Uh, The episode you're about to hear was recorded late last night at like 2 in the morning uh, due to the time difference between me and uh, Joe, who is based in Armenia. Um, As you may have heard, uh, Azerbaijan launched another attack on the independent Armenian-majority region of Artsakh, which is in territory that Azerbaijan claims. Since we recorded this a couple hours after, uh, the Artsakh Defense Forces have surrendered. Uh, There's currently negotiations uh, and something that's being called a ceasefire, although there continue to be reports of shelling and uh, other violent acts by the Azeri military. It's kind of unclear what is going to happen. Tens of thousands of frightened Armenians have crowded the airport out of Artsakh. The pictures are pretty uh, stunning and sobering out of fears that a genocide will be instituted against the Armenian populace in that area. The episode you're about to hear is Joe and I kind of talking earlier in the invasion, pretty soon after it happened, um, going over some of the history, what's going on now fears for the future. So thought it was still valuable stuff, but I wanted to let you know the situation has advanced uh, since we recorded this, as is often the case when you're talking about, you know, unfolding uh, events. So thank you. Hey, everyone. Welcome to It Could Happen Here, um, a podcast about it happening here uh and and unfortunately for our guest today it is again this is not the first time uh that it has been happening where uh uh this person happens to live joe kasabian joe hey how you doing buddy hey robert it's uh i would like to say it's good to be back but you know this <laughs> tends tends to happen a lot 
We know? did, uh, you know, in between the first time you were on, or the last time you were on this show and now, you know, we had a surprise meeting in Dublin that was a, a lovely time. Um, that is true. That is true. Yeah. And now, Joe, you, uh, you, you are a podcaster, uh, a, a genocide uh, expert and academic studying that and uh, also, you know, the host of the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast, which is a lovely podcast. Um, and you are based out of Yerevan, which is yes. the capital of Armenia, which is a country that is not yet being invaded, but is 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 also in in another way is being invaded right now. Right, like it's a it's a. Uh, a complicated situation. Basically, the, the 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 gist of it is, folks. If you're if you're kind of tuning in, there is a um, there are a number of different like little republics in in the Caucasus region. Um, and one of the like over the course of the last like I don't know, couple of thousand years, um, there have been uh, a lot of Armenian people in this area that we call the Caucasus, right? And uh, you know, you have your uh, uh, you know, a couple of thousand years of history, you know, around the 11th century, you get, you know, some claims start being made to this area in what is now called Karbak, uh, Artsakh. Um, and yeah, now you've got this kind of area that is a Armenian majority region where the surrounding Azeri people uh, argue that it is their land, their territory, uh, that they should be allowed to take it. And there have been a series of wars that have been fighting, that have been going on over this area since the the fall of the Soviet Union. And now, as we are talking right now, Joe, you and I, um, the Azeri military has just launched a new invasion with the presumed goal, with the stated goal, really, of, of retaking this entire region. And potentially the goal of engaging the Armenian military in a wider formal way, right? Um, that's at least the way the Azeris have discussed it. The Armenian military, the Armenian government has said, like, this is not, you know, Artsakh is not uh, Armenia. Um, this is not like our troops and stuff on the ground here. Um, right. But the Azeris have basically just said, like, we are disabling Armenian military equipment. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, you know, it goes back to December of last year. Uh, I mean, obviously, this goes back even before then. But if you start talking about, you know, history, people's eyes are going to glaze over. Um, it, the, yeah, this the, the the war that was fought in 2020, obviously, Azerbaijan won. And ever since then, uh, Karabakh yeah. or Ar- Artsakh has been cut off from the Republic of Armenia through this area called the Lashin Corridor. And it, yeah. According to the treaty, it was supposed to be maintained by Russian peacekeepers, but it never was. And yeah. specifically since December of 2022, Karabakh has been completely cut off by the Azeri and Russian military and is effectively being starved out. So it's yeah. been, you know, uh, quite a long time. And we knew, like, everybody knew the war was going to come again. Um, yeah. But we kind of assumed it was going to be in, like, 2025 when the Russians are mandated to leave. Um, but... Yeah. Started yeah. yesterday, you know. It started yesterday. It seems like I think it like uh, the Azeris invaded right after about twenty three tons, something like that, of uh, of essentially like bread was was brought into like across the the Lachin corridor, right? Like, like so literally you, you've got the next like day. this. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, the, this tiny amount of food makes it into this starving populace, and then the next day invasion starts. Yeah, the, uh, since December, they've done 
as much as they possibly could to turn Karbak into what is effectively an open air concentration camp. And the military operation now, uh, it, what it is, it, it to me is it's a, a continuation of the 2020 war because they they couldn't conquer Saponikarits in 2020, which is the capital of Karbak. Yeah. Due to external pressures as well as military capacity. Uh, because during 2020, the Republic of Armenia, despite not you know, legally directly uh, fighting the war, was, of course, helping Karabakh with volunteers, soldiers, military supplies, everything. Sure. Um, this time they can't. It's completely cut off. And the, this is not a war of any kind of near peer powers. No. Uh, the, the local Karabakh defense force called the Artsakh Defense Army is a self-defense group. They have yeah. some heavy equipment, but the vast majority of it was destroyed in 2020. So this is, you know, effectively like a local gun yeah. club trying to trying to fight yeah. the US army. This is um, more or less a militia going up against. I mean, like the Azeris, one of their major suppliers of arms is Israel. Israel and Turkey, yeah, as yeah, well as Russia. Yeah. Russia as is well, well, as, Russia as well too. Yeah. Um and Russia is selling obviously to Armenia as well. Um, they actually aren't. Uh, the, we we found out, I believe, last year. We uh, the government isn't the best at transparency. I feel like is, oh, okay. is, is the best way to word that. And we have been paying Russia for weapons since 2020. They they have not delivered a single bullet since the last war. <laughs> Sorry, I should have um, said Armenia is paying Russia for weapons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Once again, um, we are being fucked by Russia. But yeah, yeah it's um. As far as the stated Azeri goals are, they're they're very different. In 2020, when the war ended, they could frame it as a victory because they took over all these areas that they lost during the first war, minus about an area where about 120,000 people live in Stepanakert and the general outskirts there. But this time, the the messaging is much different. Um, It is, you know, the government must collapse uh you know they only gonna like this is going quote unquote until the end until they see a white flag from Stepanakert. so this is uh, because now if they don't do that they can't spin it as a victory right right and you know since december the lashing corridor has been shut for everybody um people couldn't leave people who live in karbak who are in armenia for like school or whatever couldn't go back and now suddenly yesterday when the war started again, they are saying there's a humanitarian corridor through the through Lashin. So the goals are very, very clear here. And we know from their conduct in 2020, government propaganda, just the the general attitude of the Azeri government towards Armenians, which is they don't they can't exist here. Like this is a liquidation of the open air concentration camp that they've created. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? 
I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, I mean, Joe, first off, I guess what I want to ask is like, what uh, what is it like in Yerevan right now? Because, you know, you are you are not far from from where the fighting is is continuing at the moment. But obviously you are Armenia is not technically involved at this point. Right. Like that's at least according to the claims of the Armenian government, the Assyrians allege that they are striking uh, uh, Armenian military targets right now. What is it like in Yerevan right now? I think everybody is, I mean, you can see it on everybody's faces. Like they're just, they want information. They want to know what's going to happen next. There's a lot of protests yesterday and into the night uh, because the prime minister came out and said like, you know, we're not going to get involved. And he's not exactly very popular um, despite the fact he kind of is our best option at the moment. Um, So there's a lot of, um, you know, rightful, anger towards him, towards Russia, towards the EU, you know, you name it, everybody's mad at everybody. So there's uh, different protests yesterday. There was, you know, fuck Russia protest. There was fuck Nikol Pashinyan, who's our prime minister protest. There was a combination of the two protests. They all kind of met in the middle. Um, there was some fighting with the police. I heard reports that someone, uh, quite a few people tried to break into government buildings. Um, that all seemed to have cooled off by the because I went down to the area where there was protesting and I didn't see any of that. Um, but it, it seemed to have also started up again after I left. Um, but again, it's only day yeah. one. Um, people's anger is only going to get worse as the situation in Karabakh gets worse. Um, or, yeah. you know, the fall of Karabakh and Stepanakert, if and when that occurs, I have a hard time believing that the current government here in Armenia will survive. Um, they'll either resign, be forced out, you know, uh, an, an unfortunate third option might happen, yeah. uh, especially with the, the messaging coming from Russia, where they're blaming Armenia and specifically the prime minister for all of this. Because since September of last year, Armenia has been doing 
decent d- uh, diplomacy in turning towards the West. There's American yeah. soldiers in the Republic of Armenia right now for training. Yes. We've sent supplies to Ukraine. Um, we've all but left the CSTO, which is like Russia's shitty version of NATO. Yeah. Um, so this is a this clearly is a, you know, not very functional, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a fact. I mean, this is a green lit punitive expedition on yeah. Russia's behalf, effectively. Yeah, and this is um, you know, a, a couple of things. So, like, obviously, the way in which the the paper on paper alliances here kind of like chart out is is not um friendly to the sort of like soundbite media. Of, of our, our current right. day, right? Because right. um Armenia on paper, Armenia's like big supporter has been Russia recently, right? Um, as well as what, Azerbaijan. Like the, the as day well. before Russia invaded <laughs> yeah. Ukraine, they like cemented an alliance. But, you know, yeah. because a- Azerbaijan's been very overt, I guess you could say, and their support for Ukraine, giving them money and, you know, supplies here and there, non-military supplies, but humanitarian supplies. Yeah. This gets spun in the brain dead info sphere as it being like another Russian ally, that being <sighs> Armenia is being invaded or, yeah. you know, people equate Karabakh to Crimea and Ukraine's war goals. And since Azerbaijan is, you know, a, a PR ally of Ukraine and supplying the EU with gas and supplying EU with Russian gas as well, it gets spun as like people are cheering for Azerbaijan, which is is absolutely baffling to me. Like it, I wish I could say I'm confused or surprised, but like when you treat war, like it's a team sport and you want to put on your favorite football jersey or whatever, yeah. like this is how it goes. Um, when, you know, Karabakh declared independence from Azerbaijan during the, the, the Azeri Soviet socialist Republic, when that was legal to do and the state that they have created is one of the most free in the region. Whereas, Azerbaijan, according to like the free, the the Freedom Index, is one point above the Taliban-controlled Afghan state at the moment. Yeah, um, so I mean, like it, this this is not a play. This is not like a liberation. A dictator cannot be a liberator. No, and a lot of what is happening and why Azerbaijan is engaging in aggression right now is due to what's been happening to like the price of oil and like what that's done to the Azeri economy. Right, like this is a uh, like. I mean, it's 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 a pretty standard page in the uh, the authoritarian playbook, right? Of course. I mean, they're a classic fascist dictatorship. And so far as, you know, every problem in the state that they have, of which they have many, because it's effectively a kleptocracy built around a petro petro dictatorship is caused by Armenians. There, you know, every single anti Azeri piece that gets published in any media and you can use the term anti-Azeri to mean like literally anything is funded by the like the Armenian lobbying group which I mean any Jewish conspiracy theory that we all know and hear about yeah. constantly in Azerbaijan you just replace Jewish people with Armenians and it's a it's functionally the same thing so you know we're this global superpower with our tendrils and everything but also we're weak and and pitiful and need to be destroyed um, it, it's it's same kind of messaging that we're used to hearing for like classic fascist propaganda, and you know the as far as like why they're doing it now is because they've so ensconced themselves in um, the European good graces and mm-hmm. over the last little bit they know nobody could, nobody's going to stop them. The EU literally can't, and the United States. I mean, 
they're an outside player when it comes to European politics, at least internal politics. And they are only loosely connected to Azerbaijan. They do some military funding, uh, but it's mostly to do with like uh, these weird ghosts of the early global war on terror where they're looking for friendly Muslim powers right. that would act as counter-terror forces. But Azerbaijan's secular. This this war has nothing to do with us being Christian or them being Muslim. <laughs> yeah. Though, th- though it does tend to be free, uh, framed that way by the worst people imaginable. Yeah. Uh, it- it 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 slots conveniently for a lot of people into those, but like this is, I mean, again, as I I tried, and you know, this is we're, we're kind of like throwing this together in media res, but like this is we're talking about like this is the result of a very long period of of conflict and movement of peoples in a region where they have been for thousands and thousands of years, right? Like that's like. It's not. I, I, I would say the current uh, conflict is mostly rooted in about the last 30, 35 years. Um, I mean, the ancient the ancient history gets thrown around a lot by like propagandists, but this is a direct result of the Soviet Union's policies. It has nothing to do with like you know the thirteen hundreds. Would you take it back though to like um, like World War One, right? Where you've got you've got this like very brief period where like Azerbaijan and Armenia and Georgia all attempt to have this like almost little like Caucasus UN or EU of their own, right? And then they all get like gobbled up, you know, over the the course of the end of the war by uh by by Turkey and then by Russia. Um, like it's this uh like that's kind of where it all results from, right? That's at least that's my understanding of it. Uh, like, if you want like, to go back that far, it has more of a result of early Soviet policy and specifically Joseph Stalin before he took over the Soviet Union. He okay. was the head of like the the office of like minorities, effectively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he arbitrarily. Because he's a Georgian. Yeah, yeah. He's it's so is Beria. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yes. And he he redrew the borders to include what is today Karabakh within the borders of what effectively would become the Azeri Soviet Socialist Republic. And during the entire period of the Soviet Union, which, you know, a lot of people like to frame as this, there's no problems when the Soviet Union Mm -hmm. controlled these areas, which is, you know, magical thinking. There were protests Um, by the Armenian populace, right? Like for, there was, there was a lot of protests during the eighties. You have what's called the Karabakh movement uh, wanted either a, Karabakh to become its own Soviet Socialist Republic or B, to be given to the Armenian Soviet Socialist Republic and away from the Azeris. And failing that, they declared independence, which was within their rights under the the, the Soviet constitution, um, which did exist. I mean, it was largely fluid and completely ignored as we see today. And that's what uh, that triggered a lot of different pogroms between Azeris against the Armenian population within Azerbaijan and uh, Armenians did the same thing here as well. But that started the first war, which ended yeah. with Armenia winning and Artsakh becoming a de facto independent republic, not recognized by anybody to include Armenia. And um, it's, I mean, it becomes at that point kind of one of a series of sort of little frozen wars during this, this kind of like early 90s period where the U.S., was there was this there was some belief that the US would act if like these conflicts got out of hand that was like off, often proved wrong right like the best yeah. comparison is effectively kosovo yes, the only yes, the only yeah. difference is that 
because of geopolitics, you're getting involved in this war, whether it be in the 90s, in 2020, or today, is it's not geopolitically advantageous. Like s- telling Azerbaijan to go fuck themselves by supporting uh, Artsakh Armenians doesn't help anybody geopolitically. No. Um, if If it was Russia invading us, it would be raining weapons from the West, but geopolitically it doesn't benefit anybody to support us. And, you know, like there's this concept of like ethics and morals from superpowers, whether it be, you know, the bastion of democracy in the United States or you know, this concept of European ethics and morals in the EU, like that's all propaganda vaporware. It's not real. Um, if your country is being helped by any of these co- countries, it's because it benefits the countries that are helping you geopolitically. It's not because of they, they support whatever it is that you're doing, you know, and because the Republic of Armenia itself is kind of in the situation as well, but the people of Artsakh are certainly in this situation. And so like right now, I mean, honestly, like what, what is there to do but watch, right? Like, is there, is there, do you have any kind of like hope for sort of uh, positive productive action at this point? Or are we kind of stuck in this, we're going to see what the next chapter of this, this conflict looks like, you know, as it kind of rolls out here? Well, there's two options, really. Stop it through military force, or let the largest genocide of the 21st century go unimpeded. Right. Um, because the reason why our prime minister said that the Republic of Armenia is not going to get involved is because it literally cannot. You know, we have Turkey on one border that will almost certainly be involved if we do. The Azeris also have guns pointed at our southern border, which they have said for years now they want to conquer. The Armenian military is not a superpower by any stretch of the imagination. And since we are not connected to Artsakh in any feasible way, it would require a massive counteroffensive to just relieve Stepanakert from the current siege, right? There's a reason why it didn't happen when they were being starved. So Armenia lacks the ability to stop this. However, there's multiple countries in the world mostly France and the United States that could end this in five seconds if they truly wanted to. Yeah. You mentioned at the start that there are U S troops who are in Armenia right now. And I'm, my thoughts are drawn back to in 2019 when Turkey carried out an expanded invasion of some of the regions in Northeast Syria that composed Rojava and, you know, U S peacekeepers pulled out previous to that. Now the, the U S troops who were in Armenia were training. They were not there as peacekeepers, but Right. Like, they have they have no mandate to do anything. And there's only yes. like 200 of them from some National Guard unit. It's not like it's yeah. a, you know, a brigade combat team and pressures, whatever you want to call them, are not, simply not going to happen. The European Union is not going to sanction Azerbaijan. They rely on their oil. And Azerbaijan has only become more powerful in this petro diplomacy since Russia invaded Ukraine. Um, the United States has no... F- functional sanctioning powers over Azerbaijan that could really affect them. And not to mention, as we've seen since the Russian invasion of Ukraine, sanctions don't stop wars. Yeah. I mean, they they never had, like, again, this is something the left is supposed to know, right? After like what happened with Iraq in the nineties, but like they don't, 
They don't do anything. Like no, of uh, course not. Like I mean, the you, only if, thing that stops a genocide is military force, and there's never right. been a genocide that has not ended from military and, force and not, from one actor or another. I, I might push even a little bit to say that, like, one thing that in this case I think could potentially at least reduce the risk of certain kinds of of genocide is like keeping U.S. troops in the area, not even as like a viable combat force, but as a like, all right, Azerbaijan, if you if you are going to like disrupt the territorial integrity of the actual Armenian state, um, then, you know, we've got people who are in country. And and so you'll have to you'll have to kill them. You know, and that's, that's that's something that's that problem. people have been arguing for a long time now, not necessarily Americans yeah. exactly, but some yeah. kind of international peacekeeping mission because we all knew that what russia was doing like right this war benefits them as the the previous instability in the region benefits them because it allows them to have their hooks into armenia which yeah. is why we're kind of worried of what happens next here because if azerbaijan does complete the conquest of Stepanakert, which unless someone gets involved they will they like, will i need to there's, like there's... i need to be practical about these things um, yeah and once that happens, Russia won't have the sword of Damocles hanging over the Republic of Armenia's head anymore. So it does make it, it does make us wonder. Like, and everybody is very very stupid if they think Azerbaijan stops with Artsakh. Right. I mean, they, in September of last year, when I was on your show, they were invading the Republic of Armenia. They were not invading yeah. Karabakh or Artsakh. Yeah. They were invading the Republic of Armenia, and. Their stated goals have not changed. The only thing that would happen is that this thorn in their side over the last 30 years would not be there anymore. They would have no impediments at all within what is considered their own borders. They could focus everything on the Republic of Armenia. So people who believe that this ends in Stepanakert, like, you only have to go back to this time last year to see that is not the case the only thing that's going to happen is maybe they'll take a little bit of time. The war is coming to Armenia. This yeah. massacre will come across our borders. It's only a matter of, is it one year, two years, three years? That That's the only thing. So without some kind of immediate intervention, the slaughter will continue until they're defeated. That's You don't negotiate with people who want to murder you. It's impossible. No, you, you can't, and it's... It's also, this is a very dangerous situation in part because like the reason why Armenia is acting now, right? In part is because, you know, they have been watching and I think like keying and like sort of um, editing their behavior as a result of how the Russian campaign in Ukraine has gone, right? Yeah, they definitely see it as a way to get away from Russia. I mean, like, like any small state in Russia's sphere is doing right now, with the exception of Georgia, who's kind of doing the opposite. Yeah, and they there is this um I mean one of the things that is really unsettling right now is there is this there has been kind of a freeze in a number of conflicts around the world that we have seen thawing out for the last really the last 5 6 years. It's been particularly like accelerating this kind of like thaw in a bunch of these old frozen conflicts. And part of why is that there's this understanding by a lot of these regional powers that like well, if I kick the fucking door in, nobody's coming after me. Right. And that and Azerbaijan understands that to a certain extent, which is why they acted the way they acted last year in September. Yeah. I mean, the CSTO is a joke, but 
it does have a mutual defense clause just like NATO does. So an invasion of our borders should have triggered it. And that was if if people had some kind of not sure if Russia could commit to other things, that cemented it for a lot of people. It cemented it for Armenia specifically. Yeah. I mean, we're we're still technically legal members of that alliance, but we have no representation in it anymore. We don't take part in trainings. We don't go to meetings. We're functionally out of it. Um, and we certainly will be after this, I believe. But I mean, the it as an example of how you can't really negotiate with someone with this kind of ideology in so far as from this position, like I'm not saying that like this only ends with international peacekeepers hoisting a flag over Baku. Yeah. With this kind of power discrepancy, the, the Azeri government has said that they will negotiate with the government in Stepanakert in Karabakh once they dissolve and lay down all their weapons so once you completely disarm and get rid of all of the ways you can defend yourself from the obvious slaughter that's coming your way, then we'll talk. Is that really a way? Is that is that a way of any negotiations could ever happen? Like being realistic? Of course, it's not. The no. government of Karabakh is the only thing. The government of Karabakh and the, the small local self-defense force is the only negotiating like little crumb that they have because it's it's stopping them from being murdered and if, for people who think I'm being oh, like I'm overreacting or something look at how they treated that any Armenian civilians that fell into their hands into the 2020 war they cut off their ears they cut off their fingers they cut off their noses they fucking beheaded them it was like watching ISIS videos but they're wearing multicam and wearing fast helmets yeah and they published them proudly on the internet they're not ashamed of this you can only imagine what happens when a city of a hundred thousand people falls into their hands. Yeah, and that There'll is be I'm Warsaw in the 1940s. Something around like yeah, about a hundred and hundred hundred and twenty thousand people who are who are still there. Our media cannot solve this problem. No. They can, the, we we do not have the the power to force them well, to the negotiation <sighs> table to guarantee the the rights of of existence for people where they live. The countries that do are now friends with the country that is doing it. So it requires some actual diplomatic spine. And the thing is, is, you know, the the joke is every time someone is deeply concerned about something, you take a drink and then you die of fucking alcoholism. (laughs) But you can't say, you know, we we call for an immediate cease of the of the military offensive without an or or like or what or fucking what? Like what? What is? What are you doing? Like, are, are, you can't use strong words to stop a fucking ballistic missile. Yeah, there needs to be an or. We're staring at about a, a century since we had a series of conflicts, many of which were based around different sort of like regional powers scapegoating and then carrying out acts of tremendous violence against groups of people, including specifically the Armenians. And every um, time, it, like a, a tale as old as time, it's being treated as an anti-terror operation. And you can go back to 1915 sure. during the genocide, the first genocide, and it's the same exact excuse the Ottoman Empire used. Well, and it's being treated, you know, that that's what how the Azeris are excusing it. But over here, like when you're talking about like U.S. politics, you're talking about Western politics, it's 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 a thing that's happening over there, right? Like it's a couple of countries that most people don't know very much about. Uh, and like, what is, what is our, why are we involved in this? And it's like, well, 
because this is the thing that we said, like, after a hundred something million people died, the idea that uh, we we all kind of came together with was, well, we should probably stop folks from doing some of the things that led to all of those terrible wars. And you, and you we often just don't hear people anymore. frame it as, oh, those people have just been fighting forever. Yeah. No. Like, <laughs> the, we haven't. It's been within my my lifetime. Like I'm 35 years old. This war is not older than I am. Yeah, the, like the, the, <laughs> the there was not always mass violence between like the the people in this region, right? Like Azeris and Armenians have not been killing each other over Artsakh for thousands of years, right? Like that's no, of course uh, not. Yeah, there's, yeah, it's, it's there's Armenians and Azeris about as old that as were, Volvo US. Yeah, they, they used to live next to one another. We're not yeah. this intractable millennia long enemy but it, this it, isn't this isn't one of those conflicts that you, you i mean you shouldn't do that with any conflict because it's a scapegoat to get you to stop caring and educating yourself about it but specifically in the context of this episode certainly not this conflict this conflict involves very recent events yeah and it's it's tied to major geopolitical events happening in the world right now that whatever country that you're living in and listening to your country is involved in and it's i mean like the 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 actual as far as i can see the the actual like realistic solution here cuz this is not a case right i don't think like shipping a bunch of fucking weapons is a realistic thing to hope for like the actual realistic case for stopping this is putting people in the country that uh provide some sort of like barrier to Azeri aggression, right? Like that's yeah, like, it's we, taking we action the, we to keep peace. We need the same thing that we did for Kosovo. Like, yes. Yes. That's exa- exactly what we need without, uh, without any kind of negotiations or debates. Like, yeah, that is the only thing that'll stop what is coming. It's not an if like, and like this is coming. And Hey, online left people, you know, the Azeris are buying Israeli arms. Uh, like, this is a, a situation in which, like, we're not talking about. We don't need. We don't need guys kicking in doors. We literally need dudes standing around to create a a a, a barrier by the 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 sheer political fact of their existence. Right. That's like, all it takes. And not to yeah. mention, if you're trying to frame this in like an anti-imperialist context or whatever, Azerbaijan is literally a fascist fucking dictatorship. Like the yeah, I under, Armenia. We have our problems. Karabakh. They have their problems, you know. But they're functioning representative democracies, and th- with with people in land that they've lived on. It's. I mean, there are other people who are indigenous to that land as well. But it's it's all also theirs. It's uh, if you want to think of it in that way, which I I don't really like to do because it's it's dirt. But the the the, the real issue here is p- the people. The so, people's lives are I like it doesn't fucking yeah. matter who controls Stepanakert at the end of the day if people are allowed to live there and live their lives in dignity in the way that they choose to live them. Yeah. But that's not going to happen if a, a fascist dictatorship's genocidal armies come storming through. Right. It's it's simply impossible. And that's one of the main reasons why Karabakh uh Karabakh Armenians and the Armenian state as well has continuously said that Karabakh can't exist within the frameworks of the Azeri Republic because the Azeri Republic is demonstrously uh, 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 anti-Armenian. Like, for instance, if you have an Armenian surname, like I do, you can't even go there. It doesn't even matter if you've even been to this country or not. Simply existing is enough to be denied entry. 
Like it's it's not a place. I mean, if you want to see how they'll be treated, look how they treat their own fucking people. Yeah. It, it's like asking anyone to be liberated by the fucking forces of North Korea or Saudi Arabia or something. It's obscene. It's absurd. The the only thing that like, and I'm not saying I support mm-hmm. the government in Armenia as any as anybody who knows me. I don't support any government, but the only constant track they've had is like we we support their right for self determination as anybody should, and they voted in the 80s to be on their own. Not to be part of Armenia, not to be part of Azerbaijan, but to be the Republic of Artsakh because they're the only people who care about their own rights, their own dignity, and their own right to existence. That's all anybody should ever defend is 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 people's rights to do that. Yeah. And ever since they've made a functioning state with free and fair elections, ministries that handle these things, ministries of health, ministries of uh, of defense, ministries of education, it's a functioning republic. <laughs> It's not some statelet that barely functions. Yeah. And so the 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 powers invading it don't only mean to destroy those the, the separatist power. They mean to destroy the people that live there. Yeah. There's no there's no room for them to exist in this country. Bean Dad, the dress. 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, Joe, what do you expect us to see coming in the next couple of days here? As we, you know, we we are about twenty four hours in right now to the uh, uh, renewed Azeri attack on 
Artsakh, like what is your kind of expectation for what happens next? Well, the Artsakh Defense Army is doing their best. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, they're fighting as hard as they possibly can. However, without immediate international intervention in some capacity, I mean, physical intervention, mm-hmm. a you will stop or this mm-hmm. will occur type situation. It's only a matter of time until it ends. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's. Um... And, and to quote the former head of Doctors Without Borders, you cannot stop a genocide with doctors. Yeah. There's only one way to stop it. And, you know, like I've said a million times before, I believe before on your show. Yep. The only thing that's allowing this to go on is the unwillingness of literally anybody to get involved. And there's a couple of quotes about that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's it's not a new concept. Yeah. And and genocide studies. As someone who studies war, studies genocide and has fought in war, war is fucking awful and I don't want it for anybody. I don't want Azeri kids, to, conscripts to be fucking dying for this. I don't want Armenians to be dying for this. But the only thing that's going to stop it is someone who is not Armenian, not Azeri, and certainly not fucking Russian to say, stop or we will fucking stop it. Yep. Yeah, I think that's... um. I think that's as uh, as good a point to close on as there is, um, as we're going to find at least. Joe, do you have anything else you wanted to kind of like bring up before we we roll out here? Um, I would, I would. This is normally where I would say you could support the people involved in this in this way, but unfortunately, there's it. They're under siege. They're surrounded. Nothing can get to them. There's, I got nothing, man. Yeah. I mean, that, that is the reality, right? It's like, there's nowhere to send money. There's nothing to like, and to be quite frank, uh, I mean, I, I think people should be harassing their, their representatives over this, but, you know, I'm not overly optimistic. Yeah, the Biden administration has been making noises, you know, but, but I, you know, I have not seen evidence that they're going to do more than that yet. So I, mean, I, I, I will hope say if the United yeah. States gets involved and they really want to turn Armenia to the West, which they absolutely should, there's no better time like now. This is the chance to do it. You want to show that like the West is the way for Armenians and pull them completely away from Russia because everybody wants to get the fuck away from Russia. Like there, yeah. there's thousands of people marching down the street, literally saying fuck Russia yesterday. But you need to give them a path to do so, and this is the yeah. way to do it. Yeah. Well, shit. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry we keep having you on the show in this uh this situation. I uh we'll 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 come on and talk about something. I don't know. We probably won't. Um, neither of our shows ever talk about anything. <laughs> neither of our shows talk about anything lighthearted. Um, check out Joe's show, Lions Led by Donkeys, the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. Great military history podcast. Joe, uh, thank you for for being on. And uh, please, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> good luck. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Rob. <laughs> yeah. It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. 
If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the Ferryman of Souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. Binge the season of The Passage now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.